Hey Zone 9 Gardener, would you like to transform your garden into one that is easy to grow, overproducing and beautiful? One that sees fewer pests, less disease, and no weeds? One that you pick from 52 weeks a year? Well, you're in the right place because that is a wild child garden. At Wild Child Kitchen Gardens, we grow gardeners. And today, I'm gonna show you how to turn your garden into a wild child garden, right here on the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast. Now, if you're ready, let's dig in. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. I'm your host, Kelly Johnson, founder of Wild Child Kitchen Gardens. And today, we're talking about some of the challenges we're gonna face growing a Zone 9 garden. Now, if you don't know if you're a Zone 9 gardener, I want you to take a quick little detour. You can pause it, I'll wait, and go determine your growing zone. You can do that at the link I have below for you. But this is gonna be super important for you to do because you need to know what zone you're growing in. If you're in South Louisiana or across the South in general, more than likely you are in Zone 9, which means you are right at home here. Welcome. For some of us, we just got upgraded to zone nine. We were zone 8B. And really, there's not that much difference between zone eight and zone nine. So welcome to the party. If you are like, yes, I am a zone nine gardener. And believe you me, I know about the challenges. Then you are going to be very comfortable here today. We're going to dig into some of the challenges that we come across with our Zone 9 gardens, and I'm going to tell you how to overcome them. So I've got a couple challenges for you, and then I've got some solutions. So I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. I've got some actionable steps that you can take to make sure that you are able to hold up against these challenges. And funny enough, it's really not that difficult to get it right. I'm going to teach you exactly how to do that today. Before we dig in, I want to make sure that you have downloaded my free Wild Child Garden Guide. If you have not downloaded this yet, I want you to go do that because in it are my very favorite varieties to grow, how much space they need, how many you need to grow for your garden goals, great varieties, and also how many days to harvest they're going to take. So this is a great guide that you will use season after season. It's got pretty much every vegetable I can think of in there that I enjoy growing and that the gardeners inside of the Wild Child Garden Club enjoy growing. So I will tell you, you need to have it. You need to print it. You need to reference it all throughout the year. I think you would find it very, very useful. If you haven't downloaded that yet, you can do that at releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash garden guide. And I also have the link below for you. Now let's get to it. Are you ready? All right, the first challenge I want us to talk about today is one that we just flat can't do nothing about. (laughs) This is just compliments of the South. This is because we grow in Zone 9 Gardens. We have to deal with this, and that is really weird temperatures, right? Have you ever heard the saying, if you don't like the weather in Louisiana today, just wait 15 minutes, and it's going to be maybe something that you like a little bit better? That's how this is. We can't deal with the wacko temperatures that we have where we live. And listen, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because right at the exact time that we think we are going to freeze to death, spring surprises us 
only to, of course, come right back to freezing temperatures, but we get these little bursts of beauty. And I am so thankful for them. And I know that you probably are too. There are people around the country who right now are still looking at another month or more of being under snow. We don't want that. We are Southerners. We wear flip-flops 12 months out of the year, right? So we have these great temperatures. Um, we don't live under snow for half of the year. But with that comes also extreme temperatures, right? We also have to deal with a lot of heat. Also, unexpected freezes that are sometimes bitter colds that our plants just are not used to. These are the challenges of the temperatures that we're faced with because we grow in Zone 9 gardens. I don't want that to freak you out. And I also don't want it to stop you from growing a garden. I don't want you to think that just because we're going to have temperatures in the low hundreds in the summer, you should not plant a garden. I don't want that to ever cross your mind. Instead, what I want you to think about with fluctuating temperatures and extreme temperatures that we see here inside of our Zone 9 gardens, I want you to see it a different way. I want you to let your answer, your solution to this challenge to be timing, choosing the right time to plant the right things. You know, a lot of people love fall tomatoes, right? They really just love that second flush of tomatoes that they're able to get. I don't plant fall tomatoes and it's not really a wild child method that we use. We plant do-over tomatoes which are cherry tomatoes that we replant in June that will keep trucking even through the heat um, and then be producing for us by the time fall comes around and then they peter out at the first frost, but that's okay because we've gotten plenty of them. And if we are lucky enough to not see a frost early on, then a lot of times we are still getting tomatoes at Christmas. Some years we don't ever stop getting tomatoes actually an insane benefit and just luxury that we have in our zone nine gardens. Fall tomatoes, however, are different. Planting a fall slicing tomato is just not a good use of your space because you're not going to be able to get very much harvest off of it before that potential first frost comes. And even if we get a lingering fall and we don't get that first frost until much, much later, those slicing tomatoes slow way down and they don't produce in the heat of the summer. So you have to wait so long to plant them. This is just a misuse of time for our growing climate. One idea, if you really just want some fall tomatoes, is to do fall determinants. And these are tomatoes that are going to produce all at once for you. These are your paste tomatoes, like your Roma, San Marzano, and Amish paste. These tomatoes are going to come in all at once, and you can harvest them all in the same week, and then you're literally done with your tomatoes. So that is a much better option than trying to continue on with slicer tomatoes into the fall. It just is a misuse of space because you could plant your cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, and actually get so much more out of them, right? So that's a perfect example of taking a challenge that we have and really just 
working with it, choosing the right things at the right time. That's another reason why I always say inside of the Wild Child Garden Club and my programs, we plant early and plan to cover. Now, let me explain that a little bit for you. So when we say plant early and plan to cover, what we're saying is that if we wait around waiting for that, quote, last freeze or last frost that usually happens sometime around Easter, what we're doing is prolonging our planting almost sometimes a full month. If you wait around waiting for that perfect time to plant, I can tell you this much, you're wasting a lot of time. Instead, plant early and plan to cover. Does this mean that we're going to have to cover? No, in a lot of years we don't. But it also means that we're ready for it. We've got buckets. We've been saving milk jugs. We've got towels, blankets, sleeping bags. In some cases, we have purchased frost cloths and plastic sheeting that we can use in case of a really low temperature night that we might see to save our plants. This is a much better use of your time then watching the forecast, waiting for the perfect time to plant. Now, listen, we call this garden gambling, and I love a good garden gamble. We're gamblers inside of the wild child gardening community. We want to plant early. We want to get our, our opportunity going, right? Because the summer is coming fast, and instead of fighting summer, Instead of fighting those 100 degree temperatures, instead of begging our plants to please continue producing for us, what we're able to do is get it all in on the front end. We harvest a ton before it ever gets hot. And then we're like, well, we can let them go. And we trade off in the heat of the summer to vegetables that don't mind a drought. That means we don't have to water. These are vegetables that don't mind the heat. That means that we don't have to baby them. They're very disease resistant because as you know, with the summer heat comes the summer pest. More on that in a minute. But we pick plants according to what's going on in our garden's climate. We're not going to sit here and fight a tomato and stink bugs and aphids and hornworms and armyworms all summer long. Who wants to do that? Instead, we're going to plant early. We're going to plan to cover. And we are going to harvest a ton before it gets super hot. Once it gets hot, we shift gears. We trade out our plants for something that is more drought tolerant, more heat tolerant, more pest and disease resistant. This is the wild child way. And if you feel like this is a place that you could fit in, if you're like, these are my people, I would love to invite you into the garden club. Are you looking for a garden mentor? Someone to help you take your garden to the next level and keep you on track to get those harvests that you want? If so, I would love to invite you to join me inside of the Wild Child Garden Club, my all-access mentorship program. Inside of the Garden Club, you will receive monthly teaching, live weekly coaching, access to an exclusive private Facebook group, and a community of gardeners that you never knew you needed. You can get all of the details at releaseyourinnerwildchild.com forward slash garden club and join today. Let's talk about the second challenge that we are going to face this season as Zone 9 Gardeners. And I want to keep in mind that when we talk about these challenges, these are not things that are like 
something that should keep us from growing a garden. These are things that we just need solutions for, right? And so I'm going to give you solutions while we're here today. So when we talk about these challenges, I don't want you to feel discouraged and defeated about them. I want you to instead feel like, okay, I know how to go around this challenge. I know how to overcome this obstacle. That's the whole point of today. So the second one is going to be pest. In Zone 9 Gardens, we see pests. We see a ton of pests, right? You're probably very used to armyworms, hornworms, stink bugs, aphids, cucumber beetles, squash vine borers. We get all the pests, right? So what do we do then? I can tell you what not to do, first of all. We're going to start there. What not to do about all of these pests is spray a broad-spectrum pesticide. Because as you do that, you're also going to kill any beneficial insects that are coming around that would take care of a lot of these pests for you, okay? Again, we overcomplicate this so much. We see one aphid and we go reach for some pesticide that's going to kill off anything that would even think about coming to our garden. And then... We don't get a lot of fruit on our tomatoes and our cucumbers and our squash and zucchini. So we think that we need to do what? Fertilize more, right? So then we start over fertilizing. Well, over fertilizing creates a weak plant and a weak plant invites in pests. So then we have to spray more pesticide. You get where I'm going with this? It is a round and round the merry-go-round. It's a hamster wheel of crazy and we're getting off. We're getting off this season. Do not just go out to your garden and spray a broad spectrum pesticide. Now, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me on this. So if you have ventured off and you're not paying attention, come back. Even if this pesticide is organic. Wow. That is a big light bulb moment. It was for me. I don't care if it is organic. It doesn't matter. Is it better for your plant for you to have an organic pesticide on the leaves of your plant or on the fruit of your plant than it is for you to have a synthetic or chemical pesticide on the leaves of your plant? Yes, that's for you. You're still killing everything. And this is still the wrong way to approach this. Broad spectrum pesticides, whether they are organic or not, should never be used as a first option when you see the first sign of pest in your garden. We do not want to eradicate everything because we see one thing. Now, I know your question for me now is going to be, well, okay, that sounds great, but what do we do instead? You use very specific products that target only one type of pest, the one that you are seeing. So if you are seeing army worms, then you are going to use a very specific organic pesticide such as Bt. Bt is a bacteria that when ingested by a soft-bodied worm will kill them, but only them. Your bees, ladybugs, butterflies, dragonflies, all of the other great insects that we want to see in our gardens will remain unaffected. 
This is how we address pests inside of the wild child garden. But I'm going to go a little bit deeper and tell you that good soil equals fewer pests. So if you want to get to a place where you're not having to constantly stay on top of pests and you're not having to constantly monitor and wait for the next pest invasion to happen in your garden, you need to focus on your soil. When your soil is loaded with organic matter, when your soil is full of microbial activity, the pests leave your plants alone. Do you know why? Because the sole purpose that these pests are visiting your garden in the first place is because your plants that they are on are what we call host plants. These are the plants in which the pests want to lay their eggs. It's actually the larva of the adult insect that is eating your plant. The adult comes, you think nothing of it, and you look at it and say, oh, well, that's an interesting critter. That's interesting. It's got, it's black and looks a little bit like a wasp, but not really. And it's got red on its wings. Huh, wonder what that is. Well, he flew away. Guess it's nothing. But what you don't realize is that he just laid about 25 eggs on your squash plant. And when those eggs hatch, the larva of that adult insect is a squash vine borer. So that's what's going to eat your plant. But you don't realize that. You come back in a couple of weeks and you look and your squash is decimated in the garden. You have no idea why. You look down and there's a giant hole in the stem and there's a what appears to be grub worm inside of your squash stalk. And then you say, oh my gosh. I have grub worms. You go grab the pesticide and you eradicate everything in the garden. The problem here is your garden is a sanctuary for these guys to lay their eggs. Do you want to know what happens in my garden? The squash vine borers carry on. They go somewhere else. Do you want to know why? Because my soil is too nutrient rich for them. There are certain aspects of my soil that are not appealing to pests anymore. And the reason is, is because I have spent my time, my money, and my energy focusing on my soil. So, I don't see very many squash vine borers. I also don't see hornworms. I have not had a hornworm in my garden in probably three years. Why? My soil is not a place that they think is a good spot to lay babies. The hornworm is the larva of a sphinx moth. Now, here's the thing about it. You never see the sphinx moth. Do you want to know why? Because they fly at night. They lay their eggs in darkness. So you never see them. Instead, what you see is the larva when they hatch from the egg. And what this larva is doing, its only job, larva's only job is to eat so that it can grow into its next stage, so that it can grow into an adult, so that it can lay more eggs. That is its only job. Well, a tomato plant is the sphinx moth's number one preferred place to lay their eggs. Now they will lay their eggs other places too, but the tomato is the, their number one. That's what they want. That's what they're looking for. Well, if your tomato plant is putting out certain pheromones, 
Those are hormones that every plant releases. And listen, I could go on a rabbit trail about this that would we could talk for a week. But I know that's not why you're here. What I want to tell you is these hormones are almost like signals. They're signals to other pests. But listen, they're also signals to us. Our bodies read these hormones. Our bodies use these same pheromones. These are the things that make the garden so powerful, so magical. They get into our bodies and things start happening and it's amazing. But not for the sphinx moth. Because when they sense these pheromones, what happens to them is they think this is not the right place. This is not what I should be feeling, what I should be smelling, what I should be recognizing here. I'm not in the right place. So they move on and go and try to find another place to lay their eggs. If you're seeing hornworms in your tomatoes year after year after year, you have a problem in your soil and you're never going to get rid of them until you address your soil. And it's not difficult to do. I teach you exactly how to do this. Exactly. Step by step by step inside of my Wild Child Soil Building course. You can get all of those details below in the show notes and visit the Wild Child Kitchen Garden store to learn more. What I'm telling you is we are addressing this the wrong way. By eradicating every pest in our garden, we are doing ourselves and our gardens a great disservice. We are leaving harvest on the table because we're reducing the amount of fruit that our plants can give us because we do not have those beneficial insects, those pollinators coming to our garden anymore because of the pesticide we're spraying. When we isolate and we spray or treat specific pests, then we are still inviting in all of those beneficial insects that we want so desperately to visit our gardens. This is a better way to address pests. So is thinking about what you're planting. Planting things in the right time, in the right season. If you plant your tomatoes late, you are opening up the red carpet for pests because that's when they're going to start coming around. Pests are not going to be bad until June. And when we get to June, let me tell you, you want to be wrapping up your tomato harvesting. You do not want to be just still waiting on that first tomato because the pests are coming. So listen to me when I tell you, get a better plan for pests, a plan that not only will eradicate the pests that you don't want in your garden, but it will also leave alone the beneficial insects that you do want in your garden, and you're going to build your your soil at the same exact time. This is a win, 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 right? I teach you how to do this in Wild Child Soil Building. You can get all the information at the link below or visit the Wild Child Kitchen Garden store. Now let's talk about the third and final challenge that we're probably going to face this season, and that is unpredictable weather. Our weather in our Zone 9 gardens is going to be unpredictable. That's the only thing we can predict, right? 
So how in the world do we deal with this? How do we plan for something that's unpredictable? Well, let me tell you, this is easy. We simply prepare ahead of time. We cannot predict the weather. We certainly, most definitely cannot prevent the weather. Weather is something we cannot really be proactive about in the garden, but we can certainly be proactive about it in our homes, in our plans, in our sheds, in our brains. And that's where we're going to focus. If we live in zone nine, the chances are very high that we are going to have extended periods of excessive rain. We're going to have extended periods of drought. We're going to have early freezes. We're going to have late frost. This is just what it is. And the whole idea here is that it's the same way we do everything else. We focus on timing. We plant our gardens in the right time. We don't wait on the pecan trees. If I hear that one more time, we also build our soil because soil that is nutrient rich and full of organic matter is going to be a better environment for plant roots in times of excessive rain and it retains moisture so much better. So in times of excessive drought, you will have to water a whole lot less and your plants will stay happy. We also focus on the varieties that we're growing. Like I told you, we want our tomatoes out in June. So what does that mean? That means in June, we're putting in plants that are basically pest and disease tolerant to the, to the hills. You don't see pests. You don't see disease on these plants. These are plants like okra, sweet potatoes, southern peas, peanuts. These are things we grow in the summer. And that's because they can handle extreme drought. They can handle extreme heat. This is also why we plan to cover, why we have our cover supplies, why we want to make sure that at any time, if there is an early freeze or a late frost, we are able to go out there, drop a few things on top of our plants and protect them and pick them off the next day and carry on. Because we don't have time to lose. We don't have the time to be able to just wait on the perfect weather. Wait on the perfect time when we don't see pests. And wait on the perfect time whenever all of the frost and freezes are completely out of the picture. If we wait on those three things, we will never plant a garden. And that's what I want to end with today. These challenges should never stop you from planting a garden. However, I think they stop a lot of us. They stop us from getting out there and getting our hands in the soil because we're too scared. We're too scared to risk it all, right? That's because we don't have a mentor. That's because we don't know how to grow. I want you to understand that as long as you really focus on timing, as long as you choose the right varieties, as long as you don't just eradicate all pests, you can handle, you can handle this. You can handle those fluctuating temperatures. You can handle the pest invasion. You can handle unpredictable weather. You can handle all of these things because you have a plan, because you have nutrient-rich soil, and because you have a mentor who is 
one step ahead of you, who has just done this a little longer than you, who's saying, hey, listen, you don't have to spray all of that stuff for just a little bit of aphids. You can really actually just create insecticidal soap. And the reason that nobody thinks that works is because you have to do it every day. But that's what works. And it works just as well to get rid of aphids. This is what a garden mentor does. And guess what? When you're in a garden mentorship community, guess what that does? That gives you a whole community of gardeners that are your mentors too. That's why the Wild Child Garden Club is such an amazing place to grow. Because my promise to you is that if you hold up your end of the deal, you won't get left behind. You won't have a pest invasion that you don't have support on. You won't have to worry about the freezes and frost, the unexpected weather, the weeks of rain, the times of drought. You will be told when to plant what. I do all of the work for you inside of my programs. It's not that this is rocket science. It's that most of us can't figure the information out when we're in a place of overwhelm. My job is to figure it out for you, give you a community to grow in where you can get the answers you need in real time as soon as you need them, and see you succeed. My job is to help you reach your garden goals, whatever they are, and I can tell you, your timing, your pest management, and how much you focus on your soil is what is going to get you there. So these challenges are not challenges that cannot be overcome. All you need to have is a little bit of a solution, a little bit of a plan. I can help you get that. Get all the details about the Wild Child Garden Club at www.releaseyourinnerwildchild.com. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you have had a big eye opener today. I hope there was some light bulbs going off. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Wild Child Kitchen Gardening Podcast. I hope that you're leaving here today feeling confident, empowered, and inspired as a gardener. At Wild Child Kitchen Gardens, we grow gardeners. And my goal for this podcast is to leave you with actionable steps that you can take right now to turn your garden into a wild child garden that you love. To learn more about growing with me, visit www.releaseyourinnerwildchild.com and I'll see you next week.